Cape Talk. A world view from London with Adam Gilchrist. Good morning, Adam Gilchrist. Hope you've been well. Good morning, Lester. I have a slight lurgy, but only a slight one. Don't and worry. I'm going to pretend I'm fine, so it'll be all right. <laughs> okay. Let's start with record oil profits. Uh, um, mm. The staggering energy firm figures continue. Oh, it's extraordinary. Yes. So we're talking about a company, Aramco, which is not necessarily the one uh, on your garage forecourt, but it's uh, a huge deal in Saudi Arabia. And of course, they have lots of offspins and they sell lots of oil to lots of other companies. They've just announced their profits, record profits for last year of $161 billion dollars. Helped, of course, by soaring energy prices and bigger volumes. So the world seems to need more fossil fuels at the moment rather than less, which is a little bit of a worry for some as regards climate change and so forth. Um, that is pushing a 50% rise in profits for a company that is 95% owned by the government of Saudi Arabia, which means, therefore, that the dividend is essentially going to the government of Saudi Arabia. They don't mm. really have private investors. This is after ExxonMobil in America announced $56 billion of profit and Shell, the UK firm, announced $40 billion in profit. So you look at all that and go, well, where's that coming mm. from? And obviously, you know, petrol prices fluctuate generally, oil prices fluctuate generally, and often, the, you know, they're not going to make a loss. But this is such an enormous kind of dose of, well, profit making or is it profiteering? And it does look like all our governments are totally uh, lacking in any kind of control of this. So you and I are paying record prices on our garage mm. forecourse, record prices for our heating or our air conditioning or whatever else we're paying for. And yet the oil companies are making record profits. So why mm. is that okay? I, I'm not about to go and protest down at my local garage, but still wonder why we're not. Mm, and we know the biggest, uh, most profitable, um, totally unethical, but completely legal cartel in the world is, of course, yeah. OPEC, the oil production there we go. cartel. Um, and then next... Well, they're, they're only legal because they say they are, of well, course. there we go. <laughs> and then blame the British. Well, well of course, but I, I, that's an aside. Blame the British. Iran <laughs> accuses foreign agents for the school poisonings. This is something that you brought up a couple of weeks ago of um, scores mm. of Iranian school children being poisoned. That's it. Yeah, it was about 700 or so schoolgirls poisoned across Iran in a number of schools. And there'd been quite a, a number in just in the week we were talking, so a couple of weeks ago or so. And uh, at the time, we're thinking, well, is this is a way of suppressing girls' education? And that would still be an argument, certainly. But how's this from an Iranian news agency called Mashra News, suggesting that not only is it a British plot, to stir up unrest, anti-government unrest, protests, because the protests have perhaps gone a bit quiet. Uh, Mashra News says it's directly the British ambassador, Simon Shercliffe, who obviously has put on his James Bond dinner jacket and done a bit of MI6 work, popping around the country, uh, either encouraging others to do the poisoning or doing it himself if they don't, they're not clear. The idea of that is extraordinary. I mean, of course, coming from the UK, one thinks... No, surely not. I mean, this is this is a guy who wears a cummerbund and sips sherry. This is not 
This is not a bloke who's going to jump off a tower block. This is not a bloke who's going to, you know, kill your auntie because she looked the wrong way. But they say he's been involved. They say that, therefore, these are foreign enemies, as they put it. And, of course, this is a kind of paranoia. But at the same time, how does this play out long term? And have the poisonings actually stopped or, or are we just not hearing about them? We have a few questions. And then finally, a little bit too late for me, I got managed to get the tail end of the Academy Awards, the Oscars, as I was pulling into the office before six this morning. Uh, who's shown on the red carpet? Who won? Biggest winners, of course. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once in terms of the awards. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. This film, um, which seemed quite a quiet film when it came out, but... It hasn't stormed all the other award ceremonies, but boy, has it stormed the Oscars. So everything, everywhere, one after another, as the Oscars were announced, uh, best actor, best actress, no, best actor went to the whale, didn't it? But otherwise, all the best acting awards, the best film, the best director, etc., etc., seen as a a blow for diversity as well. Michelle Yeoh won the best actress, the first Asian woman to win Best Actress. Dreams do come true, she said, as she accepted the statuette. I'm sure we've heard that from a few others in the past, but it was her moment, so why not? Mm. It's uh, an extraordinary film, a mind-blowing film. I'm not entirely sure, in my mind, it beats All Quiet on the Mm. Western Front for something that just stays in the back of my head. But do you know what? For a different kind of film, and as I say, what felt like a kind of quiet, Mm. techno-whiz, sci-fi, rom-com type thing. You don't get too many of those winning Best best Film Oscars, do you? I must say there are two movies I actually watched over the last Oscar season, and they are both winners, and that is Everything, Everywhere, and All Quiet on the Western Front. That's literally the only two movies I've watched in the last (laughs) while, and both are winners at the Academy Awards. You chose well. I chose well. My horse won. Adam Gilchrist, looking forward (laughs) to chatting to you tomorrow on uh, The Worldview with Adam Gilchrist.